Welcome to the Book Corner. In this podcast, we'll be looking at everything about reading and literature, exploring loads of different authors, genres, cultures, and possibly even languages. Welcome back to another episode of your favourite podcast, The Book Corner. And it's hosted by only me, Will, today, um, because our lovely dear co-host Mel had a operation on her mouth on Monday and has had stitches in her mouth and unfortunately she cannot talk for very long periods of time. Um, So it it causes a lot of pain, obviously. So she will not be um, featured in this episode, but hopefully... She'll be back and better than ever for our next episode um, for Wednesday. Um, we hope you've all had a great week. And for me, it's the end of my Easter holidays, which is a bit sad. But I'm quite um, sort of excited to go back to school. Um, it will be nice. But um, yeah, welcome back to another episode. In this episode, we are continuing with the curious incident of the dog in the night time. Starting from page 88, 107, all the way to page 100, um, chapter 127. So quite a short episode today, um, won't be too long. Uh, and in this episode, Car- not Connor, Connor was from Dings, uh, Christopher, he basically talks to us a bit more. He talks to us a lot about a book called The Hound of Baskervilles and sort of compares it to his... Um, and again talks about logic sense and um explores a bit more about um his mother and why mr shears is an evil man and also where is it we also look a bit at how his brain's a bit like a machine or his thought process is a bit like a machine um yeah and that's what we're going to be looking at in today's episode so let's get straight in with chapter 107 so we get straight in with chapter 107 and as i said just before it he's basically analyzing a book called the hound of the baskervilles and it's a sherlock holmes and dr watson book and what happens is dr watson gets a visit from james mortimer he's basically summarizing the book for us and he has to go out um and so charles baskerville has died of a heart attack um and then there's the curse of the baskervilles he's basically just analyzing it and then there he gets to a bit where he talks about a dog getting killed in the story and sherlock holmes and watson shoot the dog which is one of the dog which gets killed in the story, which is not nice because it's not the dog's fault. And the first thing I got from this was um, it's very empathetic. And what um, I don't think he realises it's empathetic, but it's logical. It's not the dog's fault. Well, he, it is empathetic, actually. Yes, it is, it is empathetic. Um, it's not the dog's fault. Um, they don't know if he did anything wrong. They're just scared of the dog, so just shoot it, you know? Um, I thought, he just, yeah, he... He sees things, I think, the right way and the, the the way that is right and good. Um, and he has empathy for people, obviously. Sorry, he's empathetic. Um, yeah, I just thought that was that was quite nice. Um, and then 
he says, oh yeah, and there are some bits of the story that he doesn't like. And one bit is an ancient scroll, which is written in old language. Learn then from this story not to fear the fruits of the past, but rather to be circumspect in the future. That the those foul passions whereby our family has suffered so grievously may not again be loose to our undoing. It's literally metaphors. It's four lines of metaphors. And Connor only understands stuff that's logical. Um, he doesn't really understand metaphors um, because they don't make any logic sense. They are taking objects and using other words to describe those objects, um, such as uh, calling someone who's been really mean to you uh, rotten orange or something like that. Um, just took that from much ado about nothing. Um, you know, it's saying they're really rotten, they're really disgusting. They're like a rotten orange, and rotten oranges aren't nice, which means they're not nice. He doesn't get that. It needs to be logical. It means it should be like, this person has not been nice to me. They are really horrible. You know, that's how it is to Christopher. Um, there was something subtly wrong with the face, some coarseness of expression, some hardness, perhaps of eye, some looseness of lip, which marred its perfect beauty. That's a really, like, metaphor-filled line. There was something subtly wrong with the face. There's something wrong with the the face some coarseness of expression some hardness perhaps of eye some some perhaps of eye some looseness of lip which marred its perfect beauty that's a real metaphor in that last line they're all metaphors and he just doesn't really understand them and then he says that he likes the book because it's a detective story which means that there are clues and red herrings and he likes clues because he likes working out stuff he really likes maths he likes uncovering stuff and not being given the answer and explained, but working it out for himself. And the clues are, two of Sir Henry Baskerville's boots go missing when he's staying at London, a hotel in London. Um, this means someone wants to give them to the Hound of the Baskervilles to smell. This is quite interesting, because he doesn't understand metaphors, yet these are sort of metaphors. So two of Sir Henry Baskerville's boots go missing when he is staying at a hotel in London, and this means someone wants to give them to the Hound of the Baskervilles to smell like... So he he's worked out from that, just from that sentence, that someone's t- taken his boots um, or that the boots go missing. Um, he already knows that he's taken them to the hound um, to smell. Uh, it's not really a metaphor. It's just he he knows, like, he, he looks at all the possible outcomes and that is the most logic outcome for him. And then the next one is Stapleton is the only person who knows how to get through the Grimp and Meyer, and he tells Watson to stay out of it for his own safety. This means he is hiding something in the middle of the Grimp and Meyer and doesn't want else, anyone else to find out. This one is quite um, obvious, I think. But um, still, just looking at logic outcomes of everything. It's another sort of machine-like thinking example where he takes an idea or a sentence and then, or like a problem, and looks at the most logic outcome, you know, works out in his brain what the most logic outcome would be. And the most logic outcome is that, and that's usually the right answer. It's quite a quite good thinking process. Um, uh, and yeah, basically, oh, and what are, what are red herrings? It says these are some red herrings. Oh, red herrings is just another word for clues, I think, or something. Uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson are followed when they are in London by a man in a coach with a black beard. This makes you think that the man is Bay- Barrymore, who's the caretaker at Basketball Hall, because he's the only other person who has a black beard. But the man is really Stapleton, who's wearing a false beard. So, yeah. Um, oh, I guess it's just like a sort of... Um, 
yeah, it makes you think something, but it's really something else. Selden, the Notting Hill murderer. This is a man who's escaped from a prison nearby and he's being hunted down on the moors, which makes you think that he has something to do with the story because he's a criminal, but he isn't anything to do with the story at all. It's really smart. Like, he just works these out um, by himself. Really, like, yeah, impressive. Um, he also likes the Hound of Baskervilles because he likes Sherlock Holmes and he thinks that if he were a proper detective, he's the kind um, that if I were a proper detective, De- uh, detective he is the kind of detective i would be so he wants to be like sherlock holmes um because sherlock holmes has a really unique thinking process i know where he he's very logical and does his thinking sort of differently um i've heard i've, I've never actually read or seen any movies or anything about him but yeah that's what i've heard watch nola holmes um and He's very intelligent and he solves mystery and he says, the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. Sort of Christopher's um, thinking and how he sees life. You know, there's so many obvious things, but lots of people don't don't notice them. Um, sorry. Um, and, but he notices them like I do. So he's saying he's like Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is sort of... Uh, role model for him, someone to look up to and to who he wants to be like, which I think Christopher doesn't have many people like that in his life because everyone doesn't think the same as him and everyone sees life differently and he finds that confusing. But with Sherlock Holmes, they think quite similarly and that's that's something for Christopher to look up to. Um, and Sherlock Holmes had, in a very remarkable degree, the power of detaching his mind at will. And this is like me too, because if I get really interested in something like practicing maths or reading a book about the Apollo missions or great white sharks, I don't notice anything else. And father can be calling me to come to eat my supper and I won't hear him. So once he's doing something, he's doing it like that is his whole concentration um, fixed, um, fixed on that particular thing that he's doing which is really like um like his concentration levels must be really really good in a way but then he says you know um he finds stuff distracting because it interrupts his train of thought and his train of thought is completely concentrated on that thing like in chess he says he wins really easily because usually the other person becomes distracted and starts doing something else whilst his mind is completely on the game and completely on what's going on. Um, yeah, and he says that's why he is trying to write this book. Um, because he's like he likes Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, yeah. And then he finishes the chapter with two interesting facts about Sherlock Holmes. In the original Sherlock Holmes stories, Sherlock Holmes is never described as wearing a deerstalker hat, which is what he is always wearing in pictures and cartoons. The deerstalker hat was invented by a man called Sidney Paget, who did the illustrations for the original books. And two, in the original Sherlock Holmes stories, Sherlock Holmes never says, elementary, my dear Watson. He only never says this in films and on the television. So it's sort of a nice way to end the chapter, not your typical end of chapter like on a suspense, but just, just two interesting facts about Sherlock Holmes. And now we're on chapter 109. So now we get into chapter 109 and complete change of subject, which is sort of classic Christopher style. Um, He wrote some more of the book and then he took it into school so Chiffon could read it, uh, tell uh, if he had any mistakes or spelling or grammar mistakes. Um, 
And Siobhan read the book during the morning break. Um, she had a cup of coffee at the edge of the playground with the other teachers. So now we know who Siobhan actually is. She's one of his teachers at his additional needs school. Um, and yeah, because we've heard a lot about Siobhan before, but not really much about who she is and what she's in Christopher's life. You know, Christopher talks about her a lot and about the book and how she helps him with the book and at school. But we don't know who she... Or not even at school, just, just in general. But now we know that she's a teacher. I always suspected he, she was a teacher or an assistant or something. But now we actually know. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then she talks about... Or he talks about his conversation with Mrs Alexander about finding out that his mum had an affair with Mr Shears just before she died. Have you told your father about this? No. You going to tell your father about this? No. Good. I think that's a good idea, Christopher. Did you make... Did, did it make you sad to find this out? Find what out? Did it make you upset to find out that your mother and Mr Shears had an affair? No. He doesn't really see why it should be sad because it's just two people being happy. In his mind, like, they're happy together, so why should it be sad? Even if it's his mother, you know, it, it's not that sad to him. Um, and he doesn't really take in how much it really means to him that... His own mother, you know, went off with another man and and betrayed his father and and him. Um, yeah, and then she goes and dies and he's not even affected much about that. He probably is deep down, you know, realising she's gone. That's quite sad. But he doesn't really show it in, in what he says. Um, and then a bit further on in the chapter, he says... Uh, then she, well, he, she basically says, if you feel sad, you can come talk to me. And then he goes, I understand, good. But I don't feel sad about it, because Mother is dead, and because Mr Shears isn't around anymore. So I'd be feeling sad about something that isn't real and doesn't exist. And that'd be stupid. God, it's even logic with his his mum as well. Like, she's not around anymore, Mr Shears is not around anymore, so why should he be sad if neither of them are around anymore and he's feeling sad about something that's not, that doesn't actually exist anymore? It's really... um. Like I guess striking how how much he how he doesn't realize like the effect that it has or that he's lost someone so close and a major events haven't she just so I don't know it's just, I, it's just quite striking just quite striking that he really takes it everything so literally um, yeah anyway and then. Um, he practiced maths, and at lunch he didn't have the quiche because it was yellow. Just thought that was quite interesting. Um, yellow, not going to eat it. Uh, and then he had some black green apple crumble. So the crumble's yellow, but the black green apple are blue and red. Um, but not the crumble bit because that was yellow too. Um, and he said it doesn't matter what sort of foods we're touching as long as they were separate. So that's quite interesting, you know a red thing the apple and the blueberry like mixed together makes the red and then the crumble which is yellow um or brown brown yellow um but he you know he's he's quite specific but not extremely specific he'll still eat it just picked up on color coding and um yeah just just uh yeah that's just 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 quite a simple chapter i guess talking about um logic and yeah, that leads us on to chapter 113. So now we are on to our final chapter of today, which is chapter 113. So he talks about his memory a bit like a film, which is why he's really good at remembering things. 
So he his memory has a smell track, which is like a soundtrack. And when people ask me to remember something, I can simply press rewind, fast forward, pause. It's a really interesting sort of memory system. He can look at stuff and just sort of store it there and take it out, you know, pause at that particular moment and remember or fast forward in that in that moment. Um, it doesn't take him sort of ages to think about something, which I thought was just, just quite interesting um, about his memory. Um, yeah. And he says, if someone says to me, Christopher, tell me what your mother was like. I can rewind to lots of different scenes and say what she was like in those scenes. He doesn't say, oh, she was the best person ever. She she brought me up. She She was my my everything he goes well you know we went to the beach and she was wearing this and she ate this and she helped me in the sea and we built a sandcastle together and the sandcastle was equal in sides and she was smiling at this you know it's very literal and logical and what happened in that moment and not what she was like you know what he remembers of her as a person and his whole life knowing her but in that particular moment um, and then, uh, he talks about a memory when they went to the sea and she says, come on, Christopher, touch my hand. Come on now, stop screaming, touch my hand. Listen to me, Christopher, you can do it. So this is our sort of first, well, not first impression, because we've heard a bit of her before and she was like, and she said, um, you're going to drive me to an early grave, Christopher. But this, I think, is when he was younger and she's very sort of caring um, touch my hand, listen to me, Christopher, you can do it, she's very calm and caring, and I could imagine she was quite a good mum, possibly, in the early years, maybe the later years, not so good, um, but it just, it's, it's, it's actually a nice memory of him, of her, and it's nice to think that he thinks of nice memories of her, and stuff that he stores in his brain is good stuff, and not sort of bad stuff, but it's nice that he brings up good stuff. Um, and then he says he can't remember anything before he was four because I wasn't looking at things in the right way before then. It's interesting how he says the right way because for us, we think that living or having or or being someone with autism um, or being a person with autism, we think they look at the world differently. But really we just look at the world differently to them and they look at the world differently to us. We're all equal. It's not like there's a right way of looking at the world. And he says looking at the right way is his way because it is to him. That's all he's known and that's all he'll ever know. And that is his right way of looking at things. Um, Yeah, I just thought that was very interesting. And then there's a few more paragraphs where um, uh, he doesn't recognise something... He. uh, he looks back in his brain. He just he searches through his memories, a bit like a um you know a website you or uh the World Wide Web you know you or Google you search something, um to see if you can find something you know, um if you search glasses you'll find glasses and he searches through his brain to see if you can find a person with glasses and if he does and he he knows that's that person, if you find the glasses that you like then you know it's for you you know it's a very sort of machine like World Wide Web. Google search sort of thing. I mean, when this was written, 2003, I think the World Wide Web had just come out. And when it set in the 80s, um, the World Wide Web was not a thing, I don't think. No. Um, so, yeah, it's just just interesting machine-like uh, thinking process. 
And then, um, and then he says if he finds a person having epileptic fit, fit, or if they're just sleep. And I just thought he basically talks about um, someone laying down and whether they're having an epileptic fit or if they're just lying down or sleeping. Uh, and then he can compare the two pictures of the person and the epileptic fit, and to see if they can. Um, uh, what's going on? Uh, and if they have an epileptic fit, he'll immediately move all furniture to stop them banging head, take off his jumper and put it underneath their heads, um, so they don't hurt their head and find a teacher. And he's he's empathetic. He's got energy. Uh, energy. He's got energy. He's got empathy for people and will help people because he is a nice person. Um, I also think it's interesting how they brought up epileptic fit and last book was about um epilepsy. Um, sort of linking the two books. Um, yeah, and then he talks about mother. If I hadn't married your father, I think I'd be living in a little farmhouse in the south of France with someone called Jean. <laughs> I don't. They must. I don't know. It was probably sort of not a happy relationship, but because she's a nice mum, because she knows Christopher is her son and doesn't want to hurt him, she probably just jokes about it. But my guess is it wasn't a very happy relationship. Um. And sometimes when someone has died, like mother died, people say, what would you want to say to your mother if she was still here now? Or what would your mother think about that? Which is stupid because mother is dead and you can't say anything to people who are dead and dead people can't think. Again, just logical. You can't speak to dead people. So why even bring up the idea of wanting to ask a question to someone who's dead? It doesn't make any sense. Um, And that concludes the end of today's episode so a bit of a shorter one today um not too many pages uh less than 20 i think but yes thank you for tuning in we are very sorry that mal couldn't take part but um we wish her to get well soon and hopefully her mouth slowly gets better throughout the week um yeah so go check out our instagram at the book.corner underscore um to find out all the latest updates also linked is um where you can listen to it our suggestions and questions form which is also linked in the description of this episode what else is linked uh oh yeah the autumn podcast and autumn.org.uk which are um autumn.org.uk is the national uk um website for autism and then the autumn podcast is something you can listen to if you want to learn a bit more more about autism and what it is and um people who have it and how you can help um and just raise awareness of it as well Uh, i think i've covered everything uh i can't think of anything else uh yeah we'll see you in our next episode on wednesday where we will be reading from page 100 so that is chapter 127 all the way up to page 125 which is chapter 151 we are halfway through the book um well halfway through the episodes as well because we're eight episodes and this is episode four so halfway through thank you everyone and see you on a wednesday goodbye